Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. The devastating death toll in our nursing homes has made many of us stop and think about a system that takes older people out of their homes and communities and places them in institutions that favour the spread of disease. Tisha Gliavaradkar spoke about this recently on The Late Late Show. Our model into the future was to build lots of modern new nursing homes, all single rooms, very high quality. Maybe that's not the right approach. Um, maybe we need to um, enable people to stay at home for much longer if possible. And then instead of having big, massive 150 bed nursing homes, maybe have smaller communities like we've done in the disability sector. So there's a lot to think about after okay. this. One person who agrees with Mr. Varadkar is Professor Gerard Quinn a legal academic who contributed to the drafting of the United Nations Convention on the Treatment of Persons with Disabilities and is now working on a similar convention on the treatment of older people. In the Irish Times earlier this week, Gerard and his colleague Anne Campbell wrote an op-ed entitled Nursing Homes Must Be Made a Thing of the Past. In that piece they wrote, Despite popular misconceptions, There is nothing natural or inevitable about institutionalisation as a policy choice for older people. A number of countries have begun to move decisively in favour of community living options for older people. On today's podcast, we're asking if it's time for a rethink of the nursing home system in this country. Later, I'll talk again to Des O'Neill, Director of the Centre for Ageing, Neuroscience and the Humanities at Trinity College Dublin, and a doctor specialising in geriatric care about how conditions may now have been created for that discussion and rethink to take place. But first, I'm joined by Professor Gerard Quinn. Gerard, welcome to the podcast. You're coming at this subject from a human rights angle. You argue this kind of institutional care should not be an inevitability for older people. Yes, we are looking at some literature reviews on the link between institutionalisation and other illnesses. And it's quite remarkable how there's such a direct causal link such that once institutionalised, a person's medical status tends uh, not to improve, certainly, and possibly deteriorate, causing actually increased costs, which is the reason one or two countries in the last few years have tried to Uh, reorient public policy toward community living options to kind of prevent these kind of um, cases in the first place. And tell us about the experience in those countries where where people do have a right to to live in a community-based setting. Um, You know, nobody has the ideal solution and there are lots of problems uh, and we don't hide from that. And by the way, our, our article is not a critique of the integrity or the professionalism of those who work in the sector already. I think the Irish sector is probably one of the best in the world. That That's not the point. The point is that public policy in the future probably points in a different direction and therefore funding models probably have to be changed into the future. Um, there are lots of problems. Um, one problem, of course, is the, the adequacy and the spread of the supports available in the community. Another problem is um, supporting the carers uh, and that apparently is a huge predictor of whether somebody ends up in a nursing home that the the carers are left um, um, kind of semi-abandoned so to speak. 
Um, and then, interestingly, coming from Sweden, um, the biggest problem there with community living for older people is isolation and loneliness. And they're not problems that can be solved with money. Um, you got to really think through from a social policy point of view, how do you maintain a person's what we call social capital as they decline in older age? Um, so they're the big problems. So one argument goes that the, that the nursing home setting is more cost efficient. But of course, the counter argument is that that community care costs will be more manageable as people won't tend to get as sick out of a community setting, as you say. Yeah, I think one of the problematics with community care models around the world is very often they rely on precarious employment. Uh, for example, like it may well be um, Filipinos who staff the community services in Israel, which is not really ideal because, first of all, they're not part of the culture of the older person. And secondly, the terms and conditions of employment are not um, favourable, let's say. Um, so that, that is a real problem. Um, in terms of cost efficiency, uh, there's lots of hidden costs that are not really um, internalised. For example, if, if you're a woman, particularly if you're a woman in your 40s, having to take 10 years out, even 15, 20 years out to care for an ailing parent, um, you've no uh, pension entitlements, very few uh, other supports are available, um, which is um, something also to be factored in. Um, but the hidden costs of caring um, have never actually been explicitly factored into the equation. What do you say to people who say that nursing homes are just a practical solution to an ageing population and that it's not practical, not to mind economical, to have people all living in um, in separate uh, accommodation or community type setup? It's a very practical solution and in its day it was probably uh, the right solution. Um, but I think we've moved on from that. Um, it's quite striking how if you look at the disability context, we no longer follow the medical model in terms of so setting social policy. Uh, we follow more a social model and maybe even a human rights oriented model. Whereas it seems to us at least that the medical model still tends to predominate in the aging context. Um, that's changing. And it was really, really nice to see the Taoiseach uh, kind of pointing in that direction. I think we mentioned in the article that there are noises coming out of a few countries indicating that the medical model has its place, but it should no longer be the primary model in responding. And, and we're talking about planning for the future. We're not talking about an overnight change, if you know what I mean. Sure. And what do we know about the, the health and state of mind of older people who are, who are living in a community setting? What are, what are the positive things about that? Well, the most positive thing is that their health condition um, deteriorates if, in fact, it's going to deteriorate slower. Uh, which causes less healthcare costs um, and actually enhances or maintains a certain quality of life for longer. As I say, though, this is not about living completely alone or in isolation. Um, we have to think through how we stitch back together all of the social connectors in an older person's life, which is not easy to do. Uh, but that is the challenge. The, uh, and just to, for example, rely on the fraying fabric of a person's life as 
an occasion to institutionalize them is is no longer really um, the right course to pursue. Uh, one of one of the Taoiseach's colleagues, as you mentioned, um, our own Mairead McGuinness, was central to efforts uh, to change the principles of the uh, EU structural and investment funds to make sure that, that EU taxpayer money would be spent avoiding this kind of institutionalisation and developing community living. That was established in, in 2013. And so far, there is very little evidence of that kind of investment in Ireland. Why is that, do you know? Well, Ireland really doesn't qualify to draw down on a lot of these funds. Uh, So therefore, we wouldn't be a a direct beneficiary. There may be some um, occasions when we can draw down on it. We we should take a lead, though, in other ways. Uh, We certainly have the research capacity to begin exploring what are the hidden problems, what are the challenges, how can they be overcome, and, um, and contributing that to the overall European debate. And I guess, Jared, you are also saying that community living can't be developed in a vacuum and it requires new policy measures, for example, relaxation of labour laws to, to ensure flexible working hours. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit more about that. Well, I think this uh, fits in with the, the need for a sustainable economic and social model that fit together and that are not considered totally apart. So the, the, the economic model has to um, accommodate the reality that through your life you're going to be spending different periods doing different things uh, and perhaps a period um, supporting your parents or an elderly relative. And it's quite important that um, our labour laws and other laws are made more flexible to allow for that to occur without too much of a loss of standing in your career or too much of a loss in terms of income. And I suppose it would require even philosophically um, us to put um, the business of caring um, right at the centre of our uh, social model in, in a way that maybe it is not now. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a McKinsey report on the future of work published about a year ago. And they say that the, the jobs, now mind you, this is pre-COVID, they said the jobs of the future will be um, all of these informal um, roles converted into um, valued and paying jobs into the future. Jared, you hold the Chair of Law at the University of Lund and, and you're a research professor in, in the University of Leeds. Uh, tell us about your interest in, in nursing homes. How did this develop? Um, well, I, I've been one of those who was involved in drafting the Treaty on the Rights of uh, People with Disabilities. Uh, where we managed to shift away from a medical model toward a, an equality stroke social model, stroke human rights model. And I've been involved in debates um, internationally on the need for a treaty on the rights of older people. And a similar philosophical shift is underway. I wouldn't say it's complete because um, a lot of states are hesitant about drafting such a treaty. Um, but but that's my involvement and I was centrally involved in drafting the article on the right to community living uh, in the UN Disability Treaty and in fact I was involved in changing the, UA, the EU structural funds to make sure that they contributed toward community living. And of course we think about uh, disability and community living uh, in, the same, in the same way now. So... 
you argue that older people um, have exactly should have exactly the same rights as people with disabilities. Isn't that it? Well, it won't be exactly because there will be different problematics and challenges uh, and solutions. Um, but philosophically, yes. I mean, it's quite striking how we insisted in the disability treaty that a person, regardless of the type of their disability or the severity of their disability, which I guess means you know illness or disease, um, has an absolute right to be placed in the community, whereas it, that seems to be flipped over when you come to the elder context, and that's a bit of a fundamental contradiction that needs to be ironed out somehow. And Jared, people can contribute to the discussion on future care options for older people, can't they? Uh, one thing I'd encourage uh, your readers to do is to um, open up the, um, the UN open-ended process to negotiate a treaty on the rights of older people. This is ongoing. Uh, everybody has a stake in the debate. Uh, it's important that people get involved um, and elder rights groups are becoming very, very active at the international level in helping to draft this treaty. And it would, as the Taoiseach kind of indicated, help shift away from an exclusive medical model to a more social and human rights-based model. Jared Quinn is Wallenberg Chair of Law at the University of Lund and a research professor at the University of Leeds. This discussion is long overdue, says Des O'Neill, geriatrician and director of the Centre of Ageing, Neuroscience and the Humanities in Dublin. Des, nursing homes have had more attention in the last couple of months in Ireland than they have possibly in the last 20 years because of COVID-19. If we had talked about all of this a bit earlier, couldn't we have avoided the rampant spread of the disease in a nursing home setting? Yes, I I think if we'd had a, a mature discussion about how we would Uh, frame nursing homes and their care, make sure that it got the right mix between uh, a domestic scale environment, but also very clear engagement with the other healthcare services, particularly secondary care um, around infectious diseases, occupational health, geriatric medicine, therapists. So the problem was we we didn't really frame it it in a domestic uh, sort of environment and we didn't frame it in an appropriate healthcare environment. So really, uh, it's the old Warren Buffett thing. When the tide goes out, you see who hasn't been wearing togs and uh, COVID exposed these failings. Sure. And it, but is it is it not the case that even though we don't want to talk really about nursing homes, they are, in fact, often the best option for care? No, I think the issue is uh, this is an opportunity to rethink, because I think we've got to up our game around congregated care and um Care in the community has its limits. I know from my own mother being in the community that once it came to more than about 20, 25 hours of care, you had a a stream of people coming into the house, very varied of them. Uh, Ruth Fitzmaurice wrote about this very well about her husband, Simon Fitzmaurice. And there there comes a point where where congregated care or where you can be more assured of it makes a certain amount of sense. but we could have definitely more care in the community. Uh, certainly at least one survey showed that 15% of people in nursing homes were light dependency or almost no dependency. So I, I, I certainly think we need to learn more from the disability uh, centre. To a certain extent, unfortunately, they might just be a little bit dogmatic and may not fully understand the lives of older people um, in quite the same way. But we, we could learn much from their 
a very fiery um, declaration of maximizing people's uh, inner, you know, inner external abilities and about going as much as possible for um, care in the community. What do we know, Des, about quality of life and health outcomes for those in a nursing home setting versus a community setting? Yeah, they're, they're very, very difficult to know uh, about this um, because there's really been very little by way of study. In fact, one of one of my sadnesses, I did try and get Tilda to incorporate uh, nursing homes from the beginning in terms of quality of life, uh, prisons as well. Uh, neither was taken on board in a sense. It almost emphasised their loss of citizenship. So, um Older people are adaptable in general and, um, you know, in the broader sense, represent a relatively higher quality of life than the general public would think. But it's hard to make a a direct comparison here, particularly as there's such a range of capabilities and disabilities um, in the community. And sometimes there's a false dichotomy here. We know from the palliative care literature, you know, there's a lot of studies saying, where do you want to die, at home or in a nursing home? And if you put that simple question, they tend to say home. But if you delve down deeply, they say, I want to be where the services are and where there isn't an undue burden on my family. And if that can be equal in both places, then I'd rather be at home. And that's really the way we've got to phrase this question as not a dichotomy between the two. But hold on, can we be assured of the same level of service and then can we make the choice? Indeed, and uh, and it's not a, a binary choice. It seems um, one of the 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 issues that that has come up in relation to um, community uh, living is is that of loneliness within in the context of a, a relatively uh, dispersed uh, population. Uh, and then the second one is the one you mentioned, which is ready access to medical care, which may not always be there in that kind of a community setting. What do we need to do to address that or to, to head that off at the pass, as it were? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things. And one of them is to rethink Uh, how we provide that care in the community. And for example, we've had a very innovative integrated care service in Tala out into the community, which brings some of these features there. But for example, uh, I do think we might look at something imaginative with family doctors around telehealth, where perhaps, you know, a care worker or a nurse could use an iPad equivalent to do a teleconsultation. Because in reality, certainly, um, the financing and other aspects of the current GP, you know, uh, setup doesn't really allow for that type of home visit in quite uh, the same way. So I think, uh, and one of the other innovations of this integrated care team is they've eroded some of the discipline barriers. So whichever therapist or social worker goes out or nurse they actually do the assessment. It's not my bit or your bit. So there needs to be some imaginative use around telehealth, imaginative use around breaking down interdisciplinary barriers. And then I think to a certain extent, actually costing it out a bit. You know, there has been sort of an assumption, oh, home visits will happen, care care conferences will happen. And I think it's, 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 It's easy to say that, but it actually needs to be costed out so that people will do it and want to do it. And where does policy sit in all of this, uh, Des, in terms of there being an infrastructure there to support, for example, uh, people needing to take time from work to, to care for older people? Yeah, we're we're still a bit behind on that uh, in terms of um, 
of of both a clear policy. I mean, uh, the policy is 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 too high a level saying we prioritise care in the community, but then isn't actually operationalised in terms of the nuts and bolts of what you're, you you can get. Um, and indeed, one of the failings of the H. I, I try not to bash the HSE and the department unduly, but uh, we were meant to have a unified need system for care in the community, nursing homes and hospitals called Interi. We chose it several years ago and uh, implemented it. It would give us a better uh, sense of what the of, of what the needs are. Uh, and indeed, once people people fluctuate and wax and wane, if your needs lessen, then there's less care uh, needed to go in. So um, I, I think the the issue of it's very interesting. A very interesting chap, John Creedon's brother, the, the late Michael Creedon, was a gerontologist in the states, who did some really interesting work around how industries worked better if you indented time for people to do um, parent care as well as child care. And I do think that that's another area that could be innovative is to support people. Uh, Now, we already have, I suppose, to be fair, the carer's allowance, but that tends to be kind of an all or nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's not that you're working and you do the carer's allowance, but I think some enlightened policy in terms of the workplace that um, parallels the, the, uh, what we do when people have a new baby might actually be beneficial. Has the pandemic changed the landscape in your view and has it crystallised the issues and created some will to address them? Well, we, it certainly crystallised the issues and I suppose the key thing will be to keep the will because obviously, you know, there's going to be a lot of competing issues that have also been crystallised and also economically there's going to be um, a squeeze ahead. But I think there's also, um, what's interesting, Denmark has made a very clear decision to build no more nursing home places. They've said, that's it, guys. From now on, uh, we've got to rethink and make better use of what we've got. And... Um, that's uh, certainly one thing to be ta- to be thought about, and in general, we've got to take some solace from the fact. You see, there's a lot of what's called apocalyptic demography. People say, "Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible." Um, not only are we living longer, but we're living healthier and longer. Um, nursing home use in the UK, with an 11% increase in the older population, actually slightly diminished. So, um, with, we're always going to need some. But it's all. It, it, I think what sometimes paralyzes people is the feeling, oh, this is this is never going to, um, you know, this is a curve that's taking off, and it's not. It's it's actually flatlining, um, almost certainly an increasing population, but decreasing disability, and uh, so uh, this should be manageable. And perhaps a policy like Denmark's, which says uh, we, we've X amount of stock. Now there might need to be some rural urban urban uh, re-equilibration here because uh, certainly um, there is a sense that in, in, in some of the rural nursing home areas, there are people who are there who perhaps uh, it's more around a welfare home or a type of hotel accommodation they're having. I think uh, they're, they're, they, of course, will have heavy dependency too, but the, that there may be some other solutions around um housing and again without what's bothered me a little bit about some of the charitable ones is the assumption that they haven't factored in the older person wishes around their assets so i think there needs to be a realistic talk about your assets if you move home and that if you sell up your house you keep your assets and you use them for your new home and that you've got a right of 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 of, of 
that you, you cannot be evicted. This has been, uh, you know, I mean, one of the places that, you know, is certainly a very fine place, uh, Macaulay Place in Nace is, is, you know, has lots of good things about it, but certainly the economic model is not one that could be replicated uh, as things stand. So there needs to be some um, very... Um, uh, Clear-headed, hard talking about what it means if 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 more uh, older-friendly community-integrated housing is found. How that works out in terms of transfers of assets. Des, thanks very much. Not at all. Delighted to oblige. All the best. My thanks to Declan Conlon who produced today's podcast, and thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at IrishTimes.com. We'll be back on Monday.